you confess? I don't understand what I'm accused of. <laughs> then we shall make you understand. Because... <laughs> bench the cushions. Carry on, Lord. Now, old lady, you have one last chance. Confess the heinous sin of, of Hennessy. Reject the works of the other. Two last chances. And you shall be free. Three last chances. You have three last chances. The nature which I have divulged in my previous utterance. I don't know what you're talking about. Right! <laughs> and that's the way you want it. Cardinal. Poker. With the soft cushion. <laughs> Confess! 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 Have you got all the stuffing up on end? Oh, yes, Lord. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> made of harder stuff. Cardinal Fang. Fetch the comfy chair. <laughs> the comfy chair? Yes. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings, Grapple fans! It's time once again for two differing generations of professional wrestling obsessives to smack down their opinions into each other's inbox and invite them for a rebuttal of hard-hitting, high-octane action. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of Let Me Tell You Something. The introductions get more and more ridiculous, and with me as always, he's the man that is... From Nuneaton, lives in Leicester, supports Bolton, and he is the Bobby Fish to my Kyle O'Reilly, the Joe Malenko to my D Malenko, the Slater to my Gator, Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing, mate? I'm doing brilliant. Each week, you continue to, it both simultaneously impress and undermine me. It, it's a unique, truly unique combination. People really need to not transcribe my opening spiel before I get into the he's the X to my Y because it makes even less sense than Nicholas Parsons at his ripe old age of 115 as he introduces every episode of Just a Minute. He's where I take my inspiration from in that introduction, Simon. A 197-year-old man. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the only wrestling podcast out there that will reference long-running Radio 4 panel shows but that because we are blatantly down with the kids we are down with the kids we're with it we're happening and we will keep going until you have to give up and admit that we are the best and having to give up is what we're going to be talking about today because this is an episode dedicated to submission moves now simon i'm going to assume as a young lad as a wrestling fan you took great delight in practicing and redoing 
and reimagining and remaking your favourite wrestling matches and your favourite wrestling moves on your friends, on your relatives, on random people in the streets. Would I be right in assuming so, Simon? And would I also be right that you loved to try out submission holds? Oh, submission holds were the best in terms of like just making it, it was just so some of them are so easy and simplistic to do. I'm going to tell you, it's sort of like a mini wrestling feud. It was it was brilliant because I loved and still do love the ankle lock. It is mm-hmm. simplicity itself. It's one of the first submission moves a kid does because mm-hmm. it's easy. Brilliant, but easy to do. And I love locking it in on my younger sister. I remember, like, yeah. Grabbing remember. the ankle, picking it. I remember. And then tapping it. And, like, and she was really, really like, uh, like this went on throughout the years. Yeah. And then one day, she was being chased around school um, by like a young, by like a kid in her year, like, re- who was really annoying her. And she like snapped and kicked him following it. And broke his jaw with a kick. It was brilliant. It was next level. I mean, I was so proud of her. I like refused to let my mum tell her off when she got home. But then after, I always tried to avoid the ankle. And then when I went for it, I always had to grapevine her afterwards because <laughs> there was no way I was ever going to compete with that leg you power had to go again. To the second stage of the ankle lock, the grapevining of the legs. He has to tap out now. Now that is interesting. Um, we might go back to more stories from our childhood as we go along. But if you want to say the pivotal moment in changing the submission hold and its significance in especially North American wrestling, what do you think I might be referring to, Simon? Something that came into the common culture's knowledge in the mid to late 90s. What do you think I'm referring to? Do you think, are you saying that MMA was the introduction, was the thing that introduced submission? Cemented submission wrestling MMA in North American helped to, but it was something that MMA introduced to the general lexicon of combat sports and pro wrestling. Ah, the tap out. The tap out, because before then, with submission wrestling, it ca- it was there was a, a sh- delayed gratification. If you look back at the great Bret Hart, Ric Flair. Well, less Ric Flair because he rarely won with his finishing hold. But any wrestler, Lex Luger with the torture rack, Bret Hart with the sharpshooter, Rick Martel with the Boston Crab, any of them, there'd be that delay between the referee doing it and the, and the guy in the hold struggling to convey that they were submitting. And then the referee will ring the bell. Uh, if you want another great example of that, actually, look at the WrestleMania 11 I Quit match between Bret Hart and Bob Backlund's where Bob Backlund is supposed to say, I quit, but getting a taste of his own medicine at last, he finds the cross-faced chicken wing so painful, he can't actually say, I quit, and Roddy Bobby just has to go, yeah, he said it, <laughs> ring the bell. Um, so what the UFC introduced was the tap-out, and the tap-out can be as exciting a moment as the hand being slapped down for the third time on the mat, especially if it's being counted along by the fans. Now it's, especially on independent shows, it becomes very popular for them to start chanting tap, 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 tap when someone's in the submission hold. So the tap out, I think, was the pivotal moment in submission wrestling becoming more and more commonplace in the WWE, sort of in WCW, in ECW with Taz bringing in the Taz mission. In fact, ECW popularized the use of the tap out before the WWE or WCW did it. 
I would say one thing the tap out does add, and I don't know if it's just me remembering modern wrestling submissions in a more glamorous style. The tap out adds an element of suspense as he's on his belly crawling to the ropes and the hands wavering. Yes. Is he, is, has he got enough strength to reach or is that hand just going to come straight down? That moment and that suspense, it's something you get with a pinfall after a finisher, but with a tap, it means there's so many more variable results. With a pin, after a finisher, you've got two outcomes. He kicks out or he doesn't. Or interference. Submissions, you're more likely to get a reversal out of it. So you've got another variable. Mm. Yeah, you've got reversals, you've so got getting more... the ropes, you've got tapping out, you've got distracting the referee, you've got them just fighting their way out of the hold, powering their way out of the hold. It can be very exciting. I mean, uh, Ring of Honor, a lot of their wrestlers were submission-based. They still are. Um, Brian Danielson... Low key, Christopher Daniels, some, they would all have moves that would generate pins, but they would also all have submission holds that they could use as well. Low key had the Dragon Clutch, Christopher Daniels had the, um, not the Angel's Wings, he had a, a crossface of some description, I think. Brian Danielson had the Cal Mutilation, and then he varied it up with the crossface Chicken Wing, and, um, all sorts of different submission holds. Um, the Triangle Choke, MMA, gradually grew greater and greater influence in the W uh, in, in Ring of Honor and in independent wrestling and in the WWE. If I ran a promotion, I would like it, and I would like it if the WWE implemented this. I don't think they will, but I think it'd be great. I would have it that every single wrestler on their roster, both Superstar and Diva, had a finishing move and a finishing hold. Because that automatically varies up the match. With most wrestling... You hit the finisher and it's over. Or you use chicanery and other means. Hulk Hogan either wins by a leg drop or he loses by cheating. The Ultimate Warrior only ever won with a splash or lost by cheating. Daniel Bryan, he can win, he can win with a cradle, he can win with the knee, he can win with the crossface, with the yes lock. In Ring of Honor, he had about six different ways of finishing a match. It's hard to get over, but like I said, I would love every wrestler to have their submission move and their finishing move. It's a lot to ask for and it's a lot to impart, but I think that would really help generate more excitement and more variables in finishes to wrestling matches. Because God knows we need another finish other than someone being distracted and rolled up. I can tell you, hands down, that'll never happen in WWE. Oh, it'll never happen. um, happen. Oh, yeah. It's the same way I'd love... Within the Royal Rumble, sort of like a uh, <clears throat> like a bonus prize for the longest entrant. Mm. Like they get like an IC shot, or yeah, back in the day, yeah. you could give him a world heavyweight shot rather than the like the WWE title shot. That that would be an interesting angle. But hey ho, like we're not bu- we're not bookers no, yet. No. Um, not yet. Maybe maybe we'll have an exciting announcement in the year 2019. Do you like submission wrestling? Is that I mean. Map-based wrestling can be great. It can be dull. Submission, trading hold for hold, it can be great, it can be dull. I mean, on the Facebook page, I linked people to that match between Biff Busick and Timothy Thatcher. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, Simon. And you may love it or you may hate it. It's like a ponderous art film. There's, there's certain people that will take to the UWFI, the, the World of Sports style of technical wrestling that then 
bleeds its way nicely into submission holds. I love submission wrestling. Uh, I love submission wrestling because I I appreciate the athleticism of professional wrestling in a way that it's not really conveyed sometimes, especially not on, um, I'd say on most North American television broadcasts, your TNAs and your WWEs. I mean, TNA does have, tend to have a longer match in it usually than the WWE match. A lot, there'll be a couple of longer wrestling matches, but you're watching sometimes one minute, two minute, three minute matches, 30 second matches. There's no athleticism there. It's all power moves and power moves are fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, th- this is not an anti power move podcast. This is just a pro submission podcast we're doing. I, fe- I feel we have to stress that from the outset. We're not mm. doing this in detriment to another style. Mm. It's just that we're discussing this style, but we like that style because it's a different, it's different to the other style. We like variants. That's why you want a submission hold and a finisher for your wrestlers. I think one of the great appeals of submission wrestling is its relatability. I think everyone's been in a situation where you've twisted your ankles slightly, or you've had your back contorted, or you've had an older sibling who's put you into great pain. And you can understand. You can understand how the body works. And it's also very hard to fake a submission hold. You can ease off on it. I love to um, display to people who weren't into wrestling and said it was all fake, and I'd ask them. I didn't get the opportunity to do this very often. But if I would put a sharpshooter on them, I would say, I can do it like this and it won't hurt. And then I just lean back slightly and then they feel pain instantaneously. You can do the sharpshooter if you keep yourself squatted and take the weight on your own legs, then it doesn't hurt them. But if Bret Hart felt like being particularly sadistic, as he did at the end of his match with Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam 93, he can lean back and he can sit on it and have your back and your knees take all the weight. My cousin Matthew really liked to show me how the Boston Crab worked. Ah, oh, now see, the Boston Crab's a brilliant example, because that one, you are entirely in control of how much you can hurt your opponent. It's not like some submission moves, you lock it in, and the way you've locked it in, it's going to hurt them. Or it's going to make them pass out. There's no two ways about it. The Boston Crab, it's all variable. You look at the way that Chris Jericho used to hold the Lion Tamer, and then when he went to the Walls of Jericho, he very clearly changed it up, and it was a less painful hold. The legs were much closer to the ground. He didn't put the knee into the neck. He didn't contort the spine like he would with the Lion Tamer. Partly, to be fair, that was because... When he was doing it in WCW, he was one of the heavier of the cruiserweights, so he had the strength to hold up the legs, and he could bend the, tor- the, short, the smaller, more contortionist end of the cruiserweights into more interesting angles. It is probably a lot harder to hold Billy Gunn, or the Big Show, or any of those six foot four plus guys in the Lion Tamer version of The Walls of Jericho. He did do it to John Cena. I remember people people always lose their minds slightly when he clearly cranks it in as a more... He did it like that to Chris Jericho. Uh, sorry, he did that to John Cena. He also did that to CM Punk in their WrestleMania match. He did the Lion Tamer version of his move. Um, and But we're, we're nerds, so we get things like that. You know what's another thing that we get, and one of the guys who actually does it doesn't get? We know how to do a sharpshooter. The Rock does not know how to do a sharpshooter. Simon, 
Explain I, to The Rock, because I know he listens to this. How do you do a sharpshooter? It's simply your leg in between their legs, one of their legs over the other of their legs. You nestle it under one armpit, and you just turn it over. It's not rocket science. But what he does that's wrong is he tucks both of the ankles under his right arm mm. and holds them up like that. And that means the legs are barely off the ground again. What you have to do is it's all about joint locks. If you watch how Bret Hart did it, he would twist one leg and he'd bend it so that the ankle, the front of the ankle, was locked into underneath the kneecap. So mm. that when he turned it round, he had them locked in. And it's a perfect lock. It's impossible. It, 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 it carries its own weight. And that's why when Brett did it, he would hold the right foot under his arm and he'd have his left hand supporting the knee so that he could hold it up like that. Owen Hart would do it where he'd hold on to the other ankle, but it was a similar way of doing it. Sting did it more like Owen Hart's as well, but Bret Hart did it perfectly because it locked in. Your joints locked in perfectly. If you watch great British wrestling... That's what they're very good at doing, manipulating the joints and everything locks into place. That's why William Regal says that he and all the great British wrestlers will be taken around the world and they'd lead the local wrestlers in Africa or Asia or Australia or New Zealand. They will bring British wrestlers in to do their submission map-based wrestling because they could lead them through it. And that's where he had that famous uh, falling out with Goldberg because Goldberg really didn't cooperate with him. I've I have recently I've seen gone that very match. nerdy there. <laughs> I know I've recently seen the match we should talking about, and you can tell that as good submission wrestling requires two people. <clears throat> people saying, "Oh, it's just one bloke," you know, using his technical knowledge over the other. Watch that match. Watch that match, and then come back and tell me that. Watch what happens when it's only one person who knows what they're doing. Yeah, it can be a bit of a nightmare. But that's also because Goldberg was green, and he and he wasn't. He probably wasn't. He, Someone had probably got in his ear backstage, and, and he had that falling out. My impression of Goldberg is that he's a bit... He, he didn't really respect mat wrestling and submission wrestling. Even though he modelled himself a lot more on UFC fighters, he had that mat leg roll-through <laughs> grapevine thing he loved to do. I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but I've recently watched the Monday Night War episode where it talks about Goldberg, <laughs> I just struck me as a prick. <laughs> I mean that that bit where he just like sort of semi buries Jericho. Like again, that was your point. Like, he probably couldn't. One of the reasons is because Goldberg probably think thought the lion tamer wouldn't look right on him. Like, yeah, then when they when they actually did have a set two, Chris Jericho used his knowledge of mat based wrestling to hold him in a face lock, and there was no way Goldberg could get out of that. That's one of the interesting things about submission wrestling is that it has, and the UFC in particular has reintroduced the idea that if you do the basics, you can make them look deadly. William Regal and a lot of the old guys go mental about the sloppiness that wrestlers put a, put an opponent in a headlock. That it's just part of the process, it's part of the sequence. And they always say, look at how Randy Orton does a headlock, how he wrenches at it and he makes it work, and he can make it to the point that you can believe a headlock can win a match. If you put someone in a headlock in a real fight, it's damn near impossible to get them out of it. Unless you're super strong, you ain't going to be able to do the traditional back suplex out of it, or you're not going to be able to drop out and do a drop toe hold on them. 
It's a UFC fundamental. If you control yeah. the head, you control the body. Well, Carlos Newton, I think it's Carlos Newton, the guy who Matt Hughes beat for the UFC Welterweight Championship, he won the Welterweight Championship by just using a headlock. The headlock, the sleeve hold, or the rear naked choke, as it's known as in UFC, and the armbar, deadly. Absolutely deadly. You just look at what Ronda Rousey did to Misha Tate's arm. She put it into about eight different angles before she was finally willing to tap out to it. That, that, which is credit to uh, Misha, because let's face it, Ronda could easily have ripped that off. <laughs> that was very much pride getting in the way. I think if it had been anyone other than Ronda Rousey that had her in that armbar, it would have been over a hell of a lot quicker than it ended up being. My God, it's pretty ugly. To, well, I wouldn't say that anything involving Ronda Rousey is ugly to watch, but that arm... Oh, my word. We we keep bleeding into UFC, um, and one of the reasons for that is it sort of revives submission wrestling, because let's face it, we've seen a sleeper a sleep hold as a finish in professional wrestling was derided for years. I mean, when Dolph Ziggler first started locking them on, I'm like, what are you doing, Dolph? Mm. No one wants to see the arm once down, twice down, and then the third thing. Maybe because Hulk Hogan did it so often it lost its, its luster. The last person I knew that used the sleeper hold as their regular finish was Roddy Piper. And Triple H did try to bring it back briefly. I remember him being Jeff Hardy on an episode of Raw with the sleeper. But, to be fair to the WWE, they got people going crazy over Full Nelson after a while. When Chris Masters did his Master Lock Challenge. Now there's a move that swept... I was in school when Chris Masters was doing his thing. And that was all across the playground. Sorry, this is another story from my childhood, but a lot of this is going to be because that's what rest, that's what submission wrestling... It was just all about that, like doing it to each other as kids. I remember getting like the strongest kid in our school, in, well, in our year, in the master lock, and he could not break it. And I... I, I wasn't... I didn't have the greatest upper body strength. I had good lower body strength as a kid, but not mm. great upper body strength but he could not get out of this hole for the life of him mm. it's one of my crowning achievements fundamentals can you can make it easy in new japan all the young lions pretty much all use the boston crab or the half crab that is just that's the only way that you can win them you can that's the way most young lion matches happen because they don't have any signature moves they don't have a signature look they're all in the black trunk so it's just when one person gets the other one in the crab hold the Boston Crab, that's the end of the match. It's the fundamentals that I think sometimes do get lost in wrestling. Um, you watch these videos of people, especially on the indie scene, and they just want to do the flip-flop and fly, and they don't want to do the linking in between. And you don't have to have a submission hold, but you shouldn't be allowed to go jumping off the top rope before you know how to do a headlock takedown. No. That's my personal opinion. And I know I sound like old man Al Snow or something by saying <laughs> that, but I think it's important that... One of the things about wrestling is that they have to keep, you have to keep that suspension of disbelief. And submission holds really help. You can understand someone winning a fight by getting someone in an ankle lock. You can understand someone being in an ankle lock and why that hurts. Can you understand why someone putting you in the skull-crushing finale hurts particularly? It doesn't look that painful. Off the back of this, then, because this is one of the most contentious submission finishes ever. I mean, I... I couldn't really, I didn't really get it as a kid, and I still only kind of get it now. Missed the mandible claw. It's something that's very hard to get across, but it does work, apparently. It's about pinching a nerve in the mouth that, that, um, 
that paralyzes you. But it is that question of why don't I bite your fingers off? And they have to get that across in commentary. But to be fair, during Mick Foley's run as Mankind, it was a very believable finish. It was such a weird, unusual finish. You don't really soften someone up. It's not like when Ric Flair's getting ready to go for the figure four leg lock, so he does that atomic drop onto the knee move, or he doesn't wrench at the leg or pull it out and... Or the chop block. Kick it, or the chop block to the back of the knee. A great move. Um, you can't really, you can't really soften someone's mouth up. Except for when you're with the ladies. But. (laughs) I guess at a pinch you could call blows to the head, but you're right, it's it's not a workable body part. It's not a workable body part, but they have to convey that through, through commentary, really. And that's something I don't think commentary does as much anymore. They don't explain why something hurts. They'll say they're in great pain. They'll say, look at the contortions on his face. But you don't get the classic uh, Gordon Soli, the figure four leg lock affects seven parts of the leg joint. He has the two choices, a broken leg or a broken ankle. Do you think that's because the submission isn't respected as much in modern wrestling? No, I think it's as respected as it was before. Like I said, I think the tap out is actually gained more popularity for the submission hold. Really, in the 80s and the 90s of the WWF, Bret Hart had the sharpshooter, Rick Martello, the Boston Crab, the Warlord briefly had the full Nelson. Million Dollar Man had the Million Dollar Dream, but that wasn't really a submission hold, that was a knockout hold. Uh, ooh, now, or are you saying that they're two of the same thing? Now, this is another very, this is another point. The pass out, Mm. Is it the same? Is it the same as a tap out? Yes or no? It depends if they're passing out from pain or if they're passing out because they're losing consciousness. I don't count the sub- sleep hold as a submission hold in that traditional sense because they're not giving up because of pain. They're losing consciousness and they lose consciousness, which is something I think is overplayed with Rusev using the accolade and nearly everyone he beats. Um, I think, well, not nearly everyone, but I know he's beaten at least three or four people With by pass just pass, they've been passing out from pain. And that's he's done, it, he's that done it to uh, Swagger, Sheamus, and technically John Cena. Mm. And there's probably more along the way. Some he may tap out, some he didn't. That's also an interesting thing. That there are certain submission holds that it's to do the tap out to. I think they, they frown upon those holds if they can. Um, you can't tap out to the accolades by slapping the mat, unless your arm escape, one of your arm escapes, and therefore you're halfway out of the move. Yeah, I mean, you've tapped the thigh. For yeah, hour. which doesn't, again, doesn't give as satisfying a sound or a look. Uh, one of the worst examples, even though it's a really cool move, is Paige's PTO, or the Scorpion Cross, where it's, again, very hard for them to convey. They just sort of flap their hand a little bit when they're in the hold. And that's another thing that I think is interesting with submission holds. I think that they want them to do submission holds that are easy to film, easy to convey. That's why I think they never really liked CM Punk's Anaconda device, because they couldn't get a good close-up of the opponent in the hold to convey the pain in their face. And that's why, in spite of the controversy of what's attached to it, they never wanted to get rid of the crossface as a submission hold. Because it's one of the best holds to have on screen. Because you can do a tight close-up on that hold. And both wrestlers can convey the story through their facial expressions. The one that's cranking on the pressure. The one that's in great pain. And then you get the very satisfying tapping out 
right in front of the camera. I mean, they really had to... um, They've managed to rehab that really well, considering the circumstances, to the point where now it's like on one of the most over-wrestlers in in WWE. Mm. Because the the yes-lock is a variant of the cross-face. Yeah. Although, weirdly, I mean... Although... uh, We've just um, come from Fastlane, and John Cena implemented the cross-face... And Triple H used it, Shawn Michaels used it in that match where he wasn't allowed to use sweet chin music, so he had to think of more, um, think of more inventive ways of, of winning the match. Um, See, that's another thing with the submission compared, is that it get, it, most notably in the Austin Hart submission match at 30, mm. which is one of the great examples of a submission match. It, for sometimes when their people are in that corner, a submission just gives them that extra depth and they keep it. I mean, Michaels has the sharpshooter as well. So. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> he, he won a famous match with the sharpshooter, I'll give you that. Although, actually, I think the sharpshooter, they will probably, if, if someone came with the sharpshooter today, given the way that they like things to be filmed, and they're very strict, and, and part of NXT is really getting them used to working to the hard camera, and where they where they have to be when they make the pin. And You've been listening to the Triple H podcast. I can yes, tell. I have. But I, to be honest, I've been observing it as time goes on. Anyway, I know that a lot of what NXT is about is getting them used to hard camera wrestling, which is utterly understandable. That's your way of doing things. That's your way of presenting things. That's fine. I don't think they would like the sharpshooters today because it's hard to convey the story in one shot. You can have the shot of Bret Hart or whoever is holding the sharpshooter, and then you have the shot of the person. In the sharpshooter, they can't share the shot at the same time. Well, when they film, not easily. When they film Natalia doing the sharpshooter, it's never really from the front. No, it's always from the side. Mm. And and I think that links to a point you were mentioning slightly earlier about the an- camera angles. Is a camera angle can often give away whether or not a submission's going to work. Mm. I got caught out earlier by um, a Jack Swagger Stardust match, where Jack Swagger won, but it. The, the camera wasn't in the right angle for the move to look like it was going to win. Mm. Which I know is like, well, you're shattering the illusion there. But you know after a while mm. when a submission move is going to work. Mm. So to go back to mixed martial arts, there are people within mixed martial arts that don't really like the submission wrestling, do they? There are people that just want to see the Chuck Liddell getting knocked the fuck out type of rest type of UFC. They don't when they're when they're scrabbling around on the mat, it's a lot harder to convey it. Again, My... people know when they get them on their back then they're looking for the rear naked choke. When Ronda Rousey's looking for the armbar, that's when people get excited. But when they're just almost in neutral on the mat it's hard to get the audience excited unless you're like us and you're nerdy and you're actually looking for certain things. There's a reason Jake Shields didn't take off that much in the UFC. There's two reasons for that. One, knockouts look a lot cooler to a lot of a, a lot of people. They're, they're a lot more surprising. And number two, you can't book your way around a submission in UFC. Mm. My mind's drawn to it was a it was a year a couple of years ago now. It was an Anderson Silva title defense, and Dana White, but in the second round, just got out of his seat, mm. handed the said UFC title to one of his official officials, and went, "I know he's going to win. I'm not bothered." Mm-hmm. And just walked off. And when the owner of the company's doing that because he knows the defensive style that Anderson Silva 
is so right to employ because it's a competitive environment, you know. Wins to him mean something. Like, you can't cut promos to cover that up as like, at all, really, in mm. UFC. You don't have those safety nets that wins and losses in WWE have. Mm. You're going to employ more defensive style. You watch the way in some boxing matches in the later rounds. Standing there sometimes, near enough. Absolutely, because I can't even imagine how knackering 12 rounds of boxing must be. Yeah. Here's one for you then, with submission holds. Now, with UFC, although Misha Tate goes against that with the famous fight with Ronda Rousey, when someone locks in that rear naked choke, or when someone gets your ankle, or when someone gets your arm, tap out almost immediately. Just instantaneously. As soon as they know they can't get out, they tap. Whereas in pro wrestling, the thrill is in the suspense of whether they tap or not. But do they overmilk it? Would there be more? Should there be more? Because you know who's great at doing the the opposite of that? William Regal. Regal fights and fights and fights when Chris Benoit or Daniel Bryan's trying to get them in the crossface. He fights and fights and fights, and then as soon as it's locked in, he taps immediately. A lot of people argue that what could be seen by many as the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, is let down slightly by the minute, 90 seconds, however long it is, that Shawn Michaels spends in the ankle lock the milking of it to the point that it loses the reality. Why is it suddenly too painful at second 93 than it wasn't at second 87? I think there was a, there's another example of that. I mean, it's weird that you've done the more recent one of these two examples. But the Flair Savage match, I can't remember which WrestleMania mm. that was. Savage spent an awfully long time in the figure four, an unacceptably long time <laughs> in the figure four, you would say, compared to today's standards. Especially but, considering the pace of wrestling is a lot quicker now, but still. But to be fair, he is it okay to stay in that hold as long as you don't submit? Because he didn't submit, he didn't lose by submission. So <clears throat> the thrill is then him trying to recover afterwards. And of course, can he turn Ric Flair over? Of course he can turn Ric Flair over. There's never been a match that, Shawn Mike, that Ric Flair hasn't held someone in the figure four that they haven't turned him over. You'd think oh. he'd change submissions after a while. <laughs> I've got to pick you up on this. <laughs> You've mentioned it before that he seldom won with the figure four. Are you saying that the figure four has been mistreated? Um, it, to me, it seems weird now when people do win with the figure four. The Miz won quite frequently with that atrocity, no, no. monstrosity of a figure four hold. Ric Flair started winning with it a lot more during his second run in the WWE. I remember Chris Jericho tapping to the figure four, and I was like, what are you doing? Just do what every other person... It would be. It's like when Ric Flair finally hits that move off the top rope. <laughs> it's not It's not the thing. The, the figure four is more of um, a build-up to the finish or, or the middle point of a match as opposed to most times when the submission holds are being locked in to show that we're coming down to the home stretch. Either they're going to tap out to this or they're going to lose swiftly to the other one. To the um, to the opponent's finisher, or they'll be the, usually the application of the finisher is a sign that we're coming to the home straight. That wasn't always the case with Ric Flair. No, um, and sometimes it's. I mean, no, they've not really done this one recently, but sometimes there's an early submission 
in the match and it wears down the like that's like, like that's we we got those occasionally but you you're right you don't usually get them like those more they are more a third act well it's about them softening them up in order to be able to use the hold either by just wearing them out or going after a body part and then targeting it with the but hold. no one does that anymore well, no, no one, one works a, a specific body part <laughs> that is and, true i wish there'd be more body part psychology I mean, the last great piece I've seen of that was, uh, oh, let me think. The last great piece of body, gut, body part psychology wasn't even a, it wasn't even a submission based piece of, of body part psychology. It was Dolph Ziggler's match where he was champion and he had a concussion and he mm. lost to Del Rio. Mm. But that was just, that was great body part psychology mm. for, for today's standards. But I think maybe the best worker for body parts psychology was randy savage he could limp like no one else could after a match with rick flair or that great saturday night main event match he had with bret hart when he was still part of the heel Hart foundation with jimmy hart and jim neidhart and they were working alongside the honky tonk man and the mega powers came into being i think in that same episode brett just works the leg and randy savage just oh he, he plays it like a champ and again what submission wrestling provides is pain, relatable pain. You don't necessarily know what it feels like to get body slammed onto a wrestling mat. You don't know whether it's as hard as uh, of the floor or as bouncy as a trampoline. It's hard to convey. Well, but you know what it's like to have your ankle twisted. But you don't necessarily know what it's been like to be like super kicked down a flight of stairs. No. It doesn't really happen in the real world. You can make a guess, but... Yeah. <laughs> um. So... Do you think my theory of everyone should have a submission hold is a good idea? I think more people should be allowed to tap out. Mm. That's one thing. Let's just go back to that, actually. I Steve Austin famously refused to submit even though he was in great pain and then he passed out from the pain. One of the best finishes ever. And now it gets used every other month. And not it, just by the WWE. That's one of the few things that pissed me off, actually, about the um, Biff Busick timothy Thatcher match. That that also ended with Timmy Thatcher being knocked out by a, a choke submission hold. I would have rather he'd tapped out to that. Because then he's up, like, five seconds later. If you're out, you're out. You're not suddenly straight back up. Sorry for spoiling the end to that match. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, spoiler alert, guys. I think a great example of the choke tap out is Triple H take a what? No, two. Mm. I have to forget that they had one. I keep forgetting about the one at 15. That's what they wanted you to forget. <laughs> they wanted you to forget that. Uh, but uh, that, the way he's reaching, for, and he picks up the sledgehammer, but then he doesn't have the strength to hold the sledgehammer, and it drops, and then he taps. Like, either I'm unconscious, or, or I'm getting out of here. Like, that, that, that is that, it's that realisation. And the submission part of submission, because tapping out is just admitting that you've been, you know, admitting that you're caught. Mm. Submission is knowing that you've been beaten. Mm. Very yeah. different terminology. Well, it can, it can look really bad on a baby face to tap out. I remember a lot of people being very critical of Chavo Guerrero beating Rey Mysterio in an I quit match because Rey just says I quit. Because... Quitting, I guess, is still perceived as an act of cowardice. And because of that, they have too many babyfaces not submit and just pass out when they need to 
keep them strong. They should maybe come up with a more either put there be, make there be less shame in tapping out, just accept it as part of the culture, because there's no shame in mixed martial arts and being tapped. No, the only person that I think feels true shame for being tapped might be um, was probably Brock Lesnar for when Frank Mir beat him. But Brock Lesnar probably gets angry at many things, and I do not want to ever, ever anger that man. <laughs> and that's why Frank Mir was probably stupid for trying to actually win that match. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're right, it's more... But then again, that's because it's athletic. It's like, I've, I was better than you on that occasion. Tapping out is... It's different in, in wrestling because it's like... The company has no faith in me if I'm a baby face. Mm. Or if I'm a heel. If I'm a heel and I tap straight away, oh, look at is going downhill. If I'm a heel and I hold on to the tap, I, I'm, I'm all right. There's less shame in a heel quitting than there is in a baby face quitting. Oh, definitely. Um, because a, baby, a heel's meant to be a coward. In many I quit matches, they'll... I mean, for the finish for the two I quit matches with John Cena... Well, no, more, more have done it, but they, they quit almost immediately. They, they they egged it too much, but I think the first one with John JBL is one of John Cena's great matches, especially after a lackluster WrestleMania title win, when he's about to hit him and John just quits to save himself from going through more pain. Yeah. I want to read something to you now because I was just remembering it because we just mentioned The Undertaker. Now, The Undertaker is a huge MMA nerd. You can tell that he wishes that MMA had either become more popular when he was young or that he could still do what he... I think if The Undertaker could, he'd be a mixed martial arts fighter, but time has not been kind to that man, nor has 20 years of doing the tombstone being good to that man's knees. But this is when The Undertaker started using... Is it The Devil's Gate or Hell's Gate? Hell's Gate. Which is Hell's his version. Here we go. This is from Lance Storm's blog in 2008. For those of you who haven't been watching SmackDown lately, The Undertaker is using a go-go platter choke as his new finisher. The hold, for lack of a better description, is a variation of a triangle choke executed from your back where you wrap your one leg out and around your opponent's shoulder and then back under his chin and then pull his head down across your shin with your hands. To execute the hold, you have to use both legs and both hands while lying on your back. I realise MMA is getting very popular and I understand the desire to adapt that style into pro wrestling. But I've always had a huge logic problem with using chokeholds as a finish in pro wrestling. Even back when Taz got his Taz Mission choke over huge, I always hated it. Choking is of course illegal in pro wrestling. And you can argue that unless there is a means by which to clearly explain the difference to your general fan base... It is just confusing to reprimand wrestlers all show about choking and then announce that someone has choked out his opponent for the win. Even if we put that choke issue aside, this is a poor choice for a finish on so many levels. For starters, any move done from your back is likely a poor pro wrestling finish. In MMA, being on your back is not a bad thing because you can't be pinned. But in pro wrestling, that is the worst possible position to be in. For years, since pro wrestling's inception, fans have been educated to the fact that if you are on your back and someone is on top of you, you are in a bad position. Someone as dominant and powerful as The Undertaker should almost never be in this position, let alone put himself in it voluntarily. I remember watching the AWA as a fan and hearing a commentator joke that Nick Bogwinkle, AWA world champ at the time, doesn't even sleep on his back. 
And I remember thinking that was such a good line because staying off your back is the single most important thing in wrestling. In my opinion, after nearly two decades of destruction, the dead man should not have to leave his feet to lay waste to Matt Stryker. This should be a brief confrontation where Taker is left standing tall while Stryker lays at his feet, closing the segment with a great visual of one man up and one man down. Instead, after choke slamming Stryker, which has laid out many men to date, me included, he tied him up and rolled to his back for the submission, ending the segment with both men down on the mats, a far less visual image to close the segment. It just seems so unnecessary, and in my opinion, even brought the crowd down rather than up. It's a poor position visually, takes a fair bit of time to hook in, and isn't going to be easy to counter in and out of in big matches to tease false finishes. To me, The Undertaker is the phenom, the dead man, or even the American badass, a guy who lays waste to those in his path, not a technically sound submission wrestler who can beat you on the ground. If you're going to play the MMA card, I see Taker as more a Chuck Liddell than a Royce Gracie. I've been serious. That wasn't his sign-off. That was just me going from reading Storm to not reading Storm. What do you think of that? I, I have I have three count points. If choking is illegal, then why is there not a five count when they like take ages to land the choke slam? But to be fair, when a wrestler's um, in the corner with their opponent and they've got their hands around their neck, the the ref would immediately go one, two, three, four. Ah, ah, that's because they're by the ropes. Well, okay. Um, if they did it on the ground, the Undertaker back in the day would be choking a guy on the ground, and the referee would still be going one, two, three, four. Commentators would always complain if a guy had a sleeper hold. If it was a good guy, then the then Bobby Heenan would always claim that he was choking him out. And that, but that doesn't, but that doesn't dispel my point. If choking's illegal, then why is the choke? Why is there never a five count when someone has him? Well, well that's, like, that's Lance, the Storm's, the Lance that, Storm's argument is that there should be a five count. And then he has to release the hold, otherwise he's broken the rules. That's what I mean. If the rule, the rules are already inconsistent, so oh yeah, find further inconsistent. <laughs> rules are always inconsistent. Try watching two Royal Rumbles back to back and see if they're following the same rules. And that really lies my point. I think Lance Storm's trying to find uniformity in the sport, which has actively discouraged it for so many years. Okay, so that's your first point: that the choke point, chokes mm. being illegal. Is not legitimate grounds. Number two. Number two. And I think this shows a bit of a divide between you and I. Mm-hmm. I think a choke out is a perfectly fine finish. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I, th- I love Hell's Gate. Mm. I think it added a new dimension to The Undertaker because there's a character that could have become almost cartoon Hulk Hogan level esque if it weren't for the fact he added a technical element to his game. And let's not forget, I think. He was given Hell's Gate by Vince. No, as no, no. The Undertaker gave himself Hell's Gate. <laughs> the Undertaker's a huge MMA nerd, and the Go-Go Platter is an MMA cream-your-pants moment. I think he asked Vince if he could do it, and Vince, looking at the years that he made Undertaker, who was in his athletic prime, work those slow, methodical style of matches. I think he's like, you know what? Do what you want. Okay. Like you're the Undertaker. Third point. I hadn't Can I just it. quickly go back to that second point? Oh, because I felt like what you were saying there was it was like Vince McMahon said to the Undertaker, hey pal, you need a submission finish. Here's what you should have. No, which I'm was, not saying Which that. was how Bret Hart got the sharpshooter. Yeah. They, they wanted him to take on the Scorpion Deathlock finisher and he got taught it by Conan backstage. Yeah. But continue on to your third point. 
I know. I'm not. I was more saying that he was. It was green lit by Vince because of the slow right. start. Third point: the choke slam as a finish in eight was near enough dead. The choke slam as a finisher in 2015 is dead. I dispute that. Kane still uses that as his finisher, essentially. And he's so. kicked. Like it's kicked out of nine times out of ten. Okay, but it wasn't. Uh, to be honest, if the Undertaker hit Matt Striker with a punch, you will not necessarily not believe that he won that match or he knocked him out. Um, no, I, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. I can understand where Lance Storm's coming from. Matt based submission wrestling. Got... Matt based submission wrestling is not something a six foot ten wrestler needs to deal with. And a submission hold where you're on your back is hard to convey. Where it does work is a sudden ch- changing of the fates and, and going... And actually, uh, to argue against Landstorm's point, him saying a wrestler being on their back is traditionally seen as a bad sign. That's still seen as a bad sign, but The Undertaker's able is one of the few... Using the go-go platter, if you can educate your audience to the importance of that hold, automatically change the stakes. And the audience recognises the go-go platter, the Hell's Gate... Immediately, and and Daniel Bryan has started incorporating the triangle choke from from underneath as well. Yeah. So so think... that re-educating that again, mixed martial arts is influence on wrestling. But continue. Do you think, in a way, that shows amateur wrestling's so- level of snobbery within wrestling? Because Lance Storm, I, I'm fairly sure he has. Like, I, I could like be shooting myself massively in the foot here, but I'm fairly sure he has an amateur wrestling background. Whereas a pro wrestler trained outright as a pro wrestler. Wouldn't have even thought of that point. It's more about the entertainment factor. I think it just shows there's a level of snobbery within the hardened amateur wrestlers compared to the pro wrestlers about certain aspects of business. I'm not sure that Landstorm has amateur backgrounds, and I don't know if it's snobbery so much as it is tradition, and the tradition of storytelling. And there's certain ways that you convey power and superiority to someone. Very often it's through height, one of the reasons why Daniel Bryan struggles so much with Vince McMahon. Um, and very often it's through one person being up and one person being down, one person being on top of them, one person being underneath. Unless you're Royce Gracie, most people when they're under, <laughs> there's a great line in The Simpsons in a later episode of The Simpsons where um, Artie Ziff comes back and says, "If you wish to fight me, well, I am versed in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now come, lie on top of me." <laughs> um. So it's that re-education, maybe because this was very early in The Undertaker's run using the um, Hell's Gate. I keep saying Go-Go Platter because I can never remember whether it's Hell's Gate or Devil's Gate. But to me, to be fair, The Undertaker wanting to use the Go-Go Platter and being indulged in that could be seen as just as self-indulgent as the skinny, scrawny indie guys doing all their flips and flips and doing second-rope tombstone pile drivers and only getting the two cans out of it because oh. they want to nerd out over themselves for doing the deadliest finishes and they can still kick out somehow because I mean, it's fake. <laughs> I mean, the the, uh, the overuse of hyperpower moves in independence and to a later extent in WWE is an entirely... It, that is, we could do that happily for an individual oh, yeah. show. We'll itself. save that for another episode. But the go-go platter is a very rare move to use in mixed martial arts. You're rarely in a position to be able to use it effectively. It's very hard. It's very hard to be tricked into being put in it anyway, because you have to be in a position of superiority, and then suddenly everything's turned around on you. So I have in a play scrap locked in the go-go platter. Mm. 
and it's you you're right it does ha- it, it was a very like it's not a position I'd find myself in that often mm. to do it uh but it worked don't get me wrong of course you now also have uh, continuing on with the MMA this has been a very MMA heavy episode uh, you've got Brock Lesnar using the Kimura lock um and yeah the, the Daniel Bryan's new armbar as well um, uh, that's that's MMA influenced yeah. I would feel Alberto Del Rio of course a man who also has an MMA background and amateur wrestling and amateur wrestling well I think in Mexico the most loosely wrestlers are expected to have amateur wrestling credentials before they start pro wrestling yeah. so um again it needs to be a submission hold that I think is relatable and well, we're kind of going back and forth. Are you basically so. saying that you don't find MMA holds to be as relatable as pro wrestling holds, or as you're basically saying they're not as entertaining as pro wrestling holds? No, 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 they are entertaining. It's just they've gone back to the building blocks, the Lou Fez era of pro wrestling, and wrestling fans are being re-educated on it. The problem is then how do you start off the match scientifically because traditionally people will get a headlock. Are you going to re-educate the fans into thinking that a wrestler can win a match with a headlock? I don't know if it will ever get that far, but I can I can see kind of your devil's advocate point. It's not. It, it could be a great thing. It could completely reinvent wrestling. But at the same time, you go to WWE for one thing. You go to UFC for another thing. Maybe and, and maybe in submission holds is where the two come closest to meeting. In one of your favourite things, Simon, the Venn diagram. I would argue on my Venn diagram in UFC and WWE, those it's uh, the the overlap's got a little bit bigger in a couple in the last year or so. Uh, famously, the the way they change their pre-match hype packages mm. in UFC is very. WWE-esque. The both both of them are influencing one another. If you, well, the time that we're recording this, there's been an NXT show uh, called Rival where it was headlined by Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and the build-up video to that, that they showed on YouTube is a blatant UFC fight build-up homage with the two people sitting down, blacked out, spotlights, talking about their past and their opponents, and which. Video interspersed, which is such fundamental, basic, easy storytelling, which is again something that the UFC takes from WWE and now WWE. You know how they say it's life imitating art, imitating life. It's It's the WWE. Yes, WWE influencing UFC, influencing WWE. I mean, we've used Brock before, but Brock is a a UFC guy in a WWE world now let's face it that's the way he's being built it's the way he's being presented with his shorts with sponsorships on it and you look at he does the UFC style of and that's what made him so interesting in WWE and that's why UFC I think are starting to take some slightly more pro wrestling elements it's like their fondness to try and get the hometown hero versus the uh, foreign villain kind of thing. Mm. But mind you, that's been done in boxing for years as yeah. well, to be fair. So that's not necessarily pro wrestling. Mm. And I think that's also one of the great things submissions have given UFC. It's made it... It's turned... It's like boxing is chess and mixed martial arts is three-dimensional chess. Mm. It's adding that new element to it. It's not just... That. It is the ground game. It is the grappling. It is the submission. It's what Royce Gracie taught us in 93 and is still being applied today. There are still knucklehead morons that are just there to see someone get knocked out. But the UFC has built that culture of respect for the ground game well, and excitement when Ronda Rousey is about to get that armbar. When 
George St. Pierre is getting the guy on the ground and just absolutely out wrestling him when someone's able to catch the other guy's ankle, when someone's got their back and they know they're going to get the rear naked choke. To bring, um, it, to bring it back to the core point we raised, mm. wanting to see a knockout is no less intelligent than wanting to see a submission. Mm. Wanting to see a pinfall is no less entertaining than wanting to see someone oh, tap out for the sharpshooter. I think I think a pinfall's still more satisfying than that. One, two, three. It's probably still more satisfying than Ah 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 <clears throat> And I would say I would say that the whole rebirthing of submission wrestling, which it was rebirthed is purely to add variance to professional wrestling and UFC style holds are adding further variance to it, mm. which variety is a good thing. Let, let's let, the spice let's of not. Life. It is indeed the spice of life and it's added a new kind of level to professional wrestling. And for all of the, all of the trials and tribulations of whether or not one is trying to copy much, the other too much, they've both influenced the other in a way that we can, they're both enhanced from it. Can I ask you one more quick question before we make our way to Mount Rushmore? Go on. Does a submission hold in a wrestling match need to look like it hurts for you to be completely satisfied if it's used as a finish? Yes. Okay. Um, so does whenever John Cena slap on the STF drive you crazy? Because it even drove Stone Cold Steve Austin crazy in one of the more awkward moments in their interview on the Steve Austin podcast. The, I mean, I've not heard, heard the Johnson episode yet, but I know he got torn apart near enough by Austin. He told, well, not torn apart, he just said, very matter-of-factly, you need to snug that STF up a bit, son. It's, it is the modern-day equivalent of the Rock Sharpshooter. Yeah, you can see light. I mean, I, I could I could park a bus in that gap. Yeah. It's like, paraphrase. But, you still can believe, that the, you know that that can be the finish, though. Yeah. If, if Triple H and Shawn Michaels will tap out to that at a WrestleMania, then when he puts it on, you know that it could be the end of the match. Oh, yeah. So whether it hurts or not, how satisfying was that moment in Money in the Bank when John Cena puts CM Punk in the STF and somehow, out of nowhere, CM Punk turns that into the Anaconda Vice? Oh. Other than the finish, that was, that was probably the most satisfying moment in one of the greatest matches of this decade. Oh, hands down, one of the most entertaining matches of this decade. Uh, certainly, I think <clears throat> I think in terms of the whole excitement and with submissions, it's just the way the, it amps the crowd up. A dead crowd can be brought back to life with a submission hold. Pinfall attempts, unless it's it's a lot harder to make a pinfall attempt in frawling. And it is a submission hold, so... Can I just make one last last point before we go into Mount Rushmore? It was one of the great moments of character building in a wrestler that is almost like revealing hidden depths in an HBO show as it goes along. Mm. And that was when they really put across... I don't even know if they were even aware of it when they did it, that Brock Lesnar was susceptible to tapping out. They had yeah. that Brock would tap. And so when he had that match with Eddie Guerrero at No Way Out, one of the, another one of the great matches of all time, when Eddie Guerrero put him in an STF, the crowd got really excited. 
because it came because they knew that Brock Lesnar's character didn't like being put in submission holds. Well, that links back to the Mike Ty- Mike Tyson paradigm. Uh, well, you can go like thirty and zero. You can go forty two and zero. You can go whatever whatever Mike got to it. Like I'm not uh, Mike is as good an example as Floyd Mayweather in the boxing world. But after a point, when you start winning all your matches, your pay per view rate declines. Mm. Then Mike lost. Mm. And the moment he became human again, it's the moment the world took notice again. It's that chink in the arm. It. No, again, it's I'm, try, I'm like trying to avoid a Dave Whelan reference, but. <laughs> Not that kind. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that submission holds are being used by the WWE a lot better than they used to. For a great deal because the tap outs changed it for everyone. It gave that immediacy to the matches over, similar to a slapping of the mat. Whereas previously it would just be Ric Flair shakes his head, shakes his head, shakes his head, then nods his head. But unless you're in the first few rows, that doesn't necessarily come across to you. And then you've got to wait five seconds for the bell to ring. It's a lot more visual, the tap out, than the old ways, definitely. But we're now to the end. And what we decided to do with submissions for our... For our submissions Mount Rushmore is we're going to go with what are our Mount Rushmore submission holds. Your favourite holds, whether it's to apply, to watch, maybe it's related to your favourite wrestler. Who knows? Simon, what are your favourite submission holds? Your four Mount Rushmore submission holds. Right. First one's a weird one. Uh, as in, I don't think you, considering the level of conversation we've had... Mm torture rack okay because it is the perfect power man yes submission. i was gonna say it's a perfect submission hold for um uh, lex luger yes a lex luger uh, ezekiel jackson used it in japan it's known as the argentine backbreaker mm. it's the move for manabu Nash- Nak- uh, manabu nakanishi one of the few power wrestlers in in uh, new japan it is a, that is a great example of a submission hold like you say, not being a submission specialist. So. And to pick up on your earlier point, if Undertaker was using the torture rack, I don't think Lance would mind. No, it's true, it's true, yeah. But it's great for those muscle guys. It, um, like I said, Ezekiel Jackson getting it. It would have been a good submission hold for Big E, if he ever brought that. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's it's like a souped-up bear hug. Mm. The bear hug's quite a mundane, like at the torture rack by comparison. Mm. I hope you haven't picked the better hog now, because it'd be awkward. Continue. <laughs> make some notes. <laughs> so, uh, human torture rack, or the, the torture rack, yes. Yeah. Going completely... Great name for a finisher as well. Oh, that's a perfect name for a finisher. This is kind of... This isn't just this specific version of it, but also it's all of its offshoots as well. Uh, AJ Lee's Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I love the Black Widow. Very Lucha Libre inspired, I think, that wrapping themselves all around yeah. them. Like an anaconda, really. more A boa constrictor more than a black And it's one of the few wrestling moves that tick all the boxes without having to have someone tap the mat. Mm. Because it could be that they're like knackered, and mm. she's got her in the Black Widow, and they're tapping the mat. Or it could be that they're trying to power out. Mm. Like a great example is the AJ Caitlin match. For yes. That. It's a great submission hold for the smaller wrestler because they're having to wrap their entire body around. And that's why it works so well with AJ Lee, by far one of the smaller women wrestlers that there's been, against Caitlin, one of the bigger women's wrestlers there's ever been. 
I think the AJ, so, sorry to have a brief aside here, but I think the AJ Caitlin feud was just so underutilised for that very reason. We'll get into a, a one very soon about women and the general underutilising of them or evolving role of them in the near future. Just be know, know that that is one that we have got on our waiting list. So, the Human Torch Rack, the Black Widow. Oh, I'm so tired to pit Hell's Gate just to annoy you. <laughs> but hey, By all means, it's your Mount Rushmore. Um, I'm actually... Head submissions are weird. Because uh, the mo- more like neck-based ones, like the crossface is such a good example. But I am going to have to go... I'd say... I've picked, a, I've picked so far a head one, I'd mm-hmm. argue, because the Black Widow's more head slash neck slash arm. I've picked a body one. I've I was hoping pick- you were going to say you picked a shoulder one and then go <laughs> to knees and then toes. You could oh. do that, couldn't you? Head, oh, yeah. shoulders, figure four, and then the ankle lock. Or spin- spinning toe hold. Or spinning toe hold, the classic, yes. <gasps> he's going to do a figure four. No, he's just going to keep twisting round and round in a weird, awkward way. That crazy old man, Terry Funk. <laughs> oh, what, what, what is he doing? But more to the point, um, I'm going to get all like nerdy here. I like the half crab. Ah, specific to the half crab. Yeah. Why the half crab over the full crab, the Boston crab? <sighs> because you can wrench back on it. You could a you can wrench back on it. B. It's a great way to work a specific body part. It's a perfect. It's, it can be used as a finisher. It won't be these days as much, but it's a perfect psychology wrestling hold. Mm. Is there a specific proponent of it? Are you a fan of the Lance Storm roll through version of it? Is there a? But Lance Storm does I think a good. Brian one. Danielson used it for a while in Ring of Honor. Cesaro started to use it now, and he'd be a, he's a perfect candidate for the half crab because it's strength and technique combined. And it's tall as well, so he can yeah he can really get it underneath. Final one, uh, especially for. It's the way he can tune it up, and I, I know, I'm aware I have picked thing. No, I haven't picked. I have picked a specific WWE one with this example. Well, former WWE now actually, Del Rio's armbar, mm. because he can get it out of nowhere when they're on the floor by grabbing them. He can tune it up if he wants to. He can flip his opponent into it, and I think he can do catching ones as well. Mm. It's one where it's got so many entry points. But only one outcome. Hmm. Okay. So, just to reiterate, your four are... Torture Rack. Mm-hmm. Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Love. Half Crab. And Dario Armbar. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to say Sharpshooter. I thought you would. Childhood favourite. I loved locking that on my younger brothers. I loved it when Bret Hart put it on. I think it's a great looking hold. Uh, both the Scorpion Deathlock and the Sharpshooter variants. Um, I'm going to go for the ankle lock Ooh, so job. simple so effective it was Ken Shamrock's finisher and then it was perfectly appropriated by Kurt Angle as well and then you've got the great grapevining of the leg and now you've got Jack Swagger as well so simple so relatable anyone can get their ankle twists and know how that feels yeah. and it was the one like I said with Ken Shamrock taking it it was what the WWE started to use to, to bring in the tapping out so I think the ankle lock also helped bringing the tap out into common knowledge. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a novelty one here. 
I do like novelty submission holds. Maybe even ones that are technically illegal, unless it's a no-holds-barred match. Um, I'm going to use the Tarantula. The uh, Yoshihiro Tajiri popularised. Wrapping him up in the ropes. Which is now used by Emma. Yes, used by Emma. Uh, I know some people hate that. And I can understand why some people hate that. But I remember the first time I saw it just thinking, that is a work of genius. And if you if you are in a, um, a no holds barred match, then it becomes fair game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a figure four leg lock as my fourth, and now we're gonna have to try and argue with each other as to which one to give up, because the figure four Ric Flair classic submission hold, and also Bret Hart's ingenious ring post variant of it that eliminated the possibility of turning the move over. Mm. Unless your knee is somehow strong enough to be able to bend a steel post, you aren't escaping that hold. So those were my first four. The tarantula, the sharpshooter, the ankle lock and the cross arm breaker. You have the torture rack, the black widow. Oh, not the cross arm breaker, sorry. The ankle lock, the sharpshooter, the figure four and the tarantula. You have the cross arm breaker, the human torture rack, the black widow and the half crab. See, I don't think you can have the tarantula. You... uh, your, your point sort of defeated the object of it. I mean, the fact, I mean, it is a novelty and it is good. It's cool, don't get me wrong. But the fact that you can't use it 95% of the time, it's not really a hold. Okay. It's, not, it's not a submission hold. It's, it's, it's a prolonged sort of rest slash impact move. Mm. Or just a crowd. It just gets the crowd's pop. Yeah. Alright, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll concede the tarantula. So I've got to pick one of your four. Cross arm breaker, human torture at Black Widow, and the um, half crab. Half crab. It's relatable, but it's a bit too simplistic. Doesn't have that much of a history behind it. Black Widow's cool. I think I'm going to go cross arm breaker because it has that link in with mixed martial arts as well. It's Ronda Rousey's finisher. And it's maybe one of the most over finishers in both mixed martial arts and pro wrestling combined. Mm. And I remember when he slapped it on Brock Lesnar in their epic SummerSlam match. Crowd go- goes crazy for it then as well. So yeah, let's say, and that's a fairly recent one. An armbar, for lack of a better word, is our Mount Rushmore great submission hold. You wouldn't have expected that coming in, would you? Not not around ten years ago, you wouldn't have thought that. I think we're still going to get a fair bit of flack for this one. Possibly, possibly. But I think this was as much a mixed martial arts discussion as it was a pro wrestling discussion. And that might have angered some of our listeners anyway. <laughs> but, if they are going to continue to be angry at us, Simon, how can they get in touch with you and hurl abuse at you for what we just laid waste with? <laughs> With our well, words. they can get in touch with us on the Let Me Tell You Something page. On they can Facebook? get in touch on Facebook. They can get in touch with me directly on my Facebook page or at Simon Cross Free on Twitter because I'm unimaginative as always. Okay. Judging by the fact I have used that exact link <laughs> in every outro we've ever done. And you've got to have a catchphrase, man. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm unimaginative. Isn't one of the it's not a great catchphrase. Great catchphrase, yeah. but if we ever do it live, I would look forward to that. You say, I'm Simon Cross 3, and then it's Sing Along with Simon. Because I'm unimaginative. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that is. You're more imaginative than Simon Cross 4. That's well, that's true. Copycat bastard. Bastard. <laughs> 
And that sums up pretty much of the ways that I want you mid-table to know. Mid-table crisis? Oh, a mid-table crisis is more for the footballing-minded uh, fellow, but it's, mm-hmm. it's something I do with my, uh, with my uh, great co-host, Sir Thomas of Patrick, who is currently mourning the loss of his beloved um, Coventry City's manager yes. at the moment. Uh, as an Does Aston anyone fan. have a beloved Coventry City nowadays? <laughs> is it beloved by anyone anymore? Oh, you can sense the Villa fan coming out of Lorcan right now, can't you? You want to talk about a bad situation. Okay, admittedly, I'm sure Coventry City would die to have what we're doing right now. But anyway, um, if you want to get in touch with me, my name's Lorcan Mullen. And you can add me as a friend on Facebook. You can tweet me at my Twitter handle, which is that name. And that is L-O-R-C-A-N. M-U-L-L-A for Apple N. There's sing along right there. There you go. I wonder if, uh, before anyone asks, uh, it wasn't Jeff Jarrett that inspired that. That was just how I said it once, and I just thought, oh, it's got quite a nice little ring to it. It's got a nice little melody. Um, and I think it's easy to remember when you do it like that. As Jeff, J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T would tell you himself. And if you want to find out more about my lifelong love of pro wrestling, then by all means, get yourself a Kindle, get yourself an ebook, get yourself a Kindle app on your smartphone, and go to Amazon and download for your reading pleasure Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. So, now, Simon, the last time we talked, you said you were going to try and make a purchase of that and read it. Has that happened yet? It hasn't happened as of yet, so okay. I, I, I'm going to do the whole... He'll move and delay that mm. for the next time. Well, being as a person from Nin Eaton, first you've got to learn how to read, so that will take a while. <laughs> I, look, look, look. Okay. Just because we're a seventh in Crap Town 3 doesn't mean you can take the mick out of us. <laughs> Birmingham, as far as I can tell, is not a Wonderland. <laughs> well, you haven't been to our new shopping centre, Wonderland Central. <laughs> I have to walk through a place called Paradise Forum, which is now being ripped up and done up, and I think it does need to be done up. Because I don't know about you, Simon, but I think Paradise Forum, I don't think Spa, Weatherspoons, McDonald's, Greg's, and the Disney Store. Does that sound like Paradise to you? I don't think you've got the Disney Store anymore. I think you've lost that, haven't you? Uh, We've lost everything. We've lost it all. We've lost everything, Simon. (laughs) Well... To be fair, and, and this is going to make the Neaton sound bad, but you, you're looking at a town that Pizza Hut walked out of. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that was not due to health reasons. They just couldn't sustain themselves. They're ordering too much. <laughs> and they're like a black hole sucking in all of our peas and bread. And on that sordid, depressing West Midlands-esque bombshell, <laughs> it's time for us to end. Yes. So... For myself, Lorcan Mullen, and for my co-host, Simon Cross, it is Good Night Grapple Fans. Here we go. All right, go ahead. The STF. Is that what it's called? Step over to hold face lock. Yes. <laughs> You gotta snug that thing up for me. Uh, Please? I'll do my best. I'll do my best.